need you. We need your help. We need a touch today. And Father, we can't do it without you, but we can do all things through you. So Father, I'm asking there to be a touch in this congregation from the back to the front, from the left to the right. Lord, move in our behalf. And we say to the enemy, you cannot have. You cannot have. In the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to God. Sis, can I get you to come up here? Yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I need some women of faith up here. I need some women of faith up here. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Now hear me. We're not just doing this as a religious thing. We're doing it because we're telling the enemy he cannot have her. Are you listening to me? We're telling the devil he cannot take her. So we're raising up a standard. We're stopping him in his tracks. Do you understand what I'm saying? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You need to speak it. You need to act like it. You need to talk it. You need to breathe it. Because the enemy's out trying to kill, steal, and destroy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I do things like this, you know. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stretch forth your hands in agreement? Glory to God. Father, you see this heart issue? You see all that's going on in her body. Father, by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we speak healing to this body. Heart, you function like you were designed to function. Every disorder in her body, I commanded to take flight and leave. We speak supernatural healing here in her behalf. Lord, we stand in the gap. We believe that you are the healer and you're the physician and you're healing right now. You're strengthening right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, we give you the praise, we give you the glory, and we give you all the honor here this morning. Let healing begin and take place in her body right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to Hallelujah. Bill, would you come here? Glory. I need, I need a few men of faith. I need some men of faith up here. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He's got some sons and there's a devil out there trying to kill, steal. Are you listening to me? There's a devil out there trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And if we don't raise up a standard, he'll have his way. I refuse to let him have any ground. Any ground in my family's life, any ground in this church's life, we're going forward. Amen. 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 Praise God. We're going to raise up a standard and we're going to stand in agreement that God's going to touch all three of the boys. Healing is happening. Strength is happening. The devil hasn't got the authority. Somebody, someone say amen. That's good stuff. Amen. Glory. Gentlemen, let's put our hands on. Father, in the name of Jesus. You've seen this father and how he stands in the gap for his sons. Father, we bring them to you, each one of them. And we ask you, God, to touch them. We speak physical healing, mental healing, and spiritual healing in the mighty name of Jesus. Devil, we tell you, you can't have any of them. So we raise up a standard by the name and by the blood of Jesus. Let manifestation take place in their lives in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. You may be seated. Did you know that we have Thursday morning prayer here? I did. Did you know that? Anybody else knew that? He knew it. Let me tell you what happened this last Thursday. We, we, we prayed, and then this young lady walked in, Thursday morning now, and she says, can I get prayer? Amen. We said, no, you don't belong to this church. <laughs> we didn't, I didn't say that. No, we didn't say that at all. We gathered around her, and we prayed. Amen, yes. Now, imagine with me just for a moment. She don't live but a few blocks from here. And we invited her to church this morning. But she wanted prayer. Yes. That's no accident. Are you hearing me, church? Amen. It's no accident. We're telling the enemy, we're taking back territory. Amen. Fort Smith, get ready. We're taking back territory. Yes. Arkoma, get ready. Bonanza, Arkansas, get ready. We're taking back ground that was given away, and we're declaring it in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Amen. Christ. Yes. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Can we raise our hands one more time? Hallelujah. Glory. Oh, Thank you, Heavenly right Father, now. for healing. We praise Thank you for Lord. touching Hallelujah. this church. Thank you for financial and spiritual blessings happening throughout this body of believers. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. And we give you all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Lord is good. Amen. 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 You guys look good today. Anybody get their picture made before service? We have a photo booth out there that Kelly will be taking photos at the end of service. And uh, we'll also have a, re- a reception out in the foyer for anybody that wants to stick around. If you brought friends with you, you can get pictures made and eat refreshments. And we're, we're glad everybody's here today. And uh, so um, God is doing a lot of stuff. Amen? Amen? I'm excited about what God's doing. Today we're beginning a new series and this series is called Created for Significance. And uh, I want you to know, I want to look at everybody here, and I want all of you to understand, every single one of you, God has created you for a purpose. Do you hear me? God has created you for a purpose. You have a reason for being here. God didn't just create you to come and sit and occupy a pew. Amen? That's not, he, he, that's not why he... Yes, we are to worship Him. Yes, He created us to worship Him and give Him praise and glory and honor and all those things. But He didn't create us just to sit and occupy a seat. He loves us. He cares for us. And He believes that we can be significant for the kingdom. Amen? And so we've cre- I've called this Created for Significance. And uh, today, I, you know, I'm going to call this message, uh, What's My Purpose? You ever ask yourself that question? Why am I here? What's my purpose? What, what purpose does God have for me? Maybe you've gone through life, maybe you've done some things, and, and maybe you just feel like, well, I don't even know why I exist or why I'm even here or what my purpose is or any of that stuff. And so today I hope that we can answer that question for you. I hope that maybe if you ask yourself that question, why am I here, God, what's my purpose? I hope that I can give you the reasons for why you're here. 
If you were to look up what the word significant means, you'd find this. Extensive or important enough to merit attention. You know, God believes that you are significant for his kingdom. And the work that he needs done. God believes that you are important enough to merit attention. Do you hear what I'm saying? In other words, he created you. And he felt like you were so important that he took the time, okay? He took the time that he says, you know, I've got Kelly here. I'm going to create her. I'm going to create her someday to be a pastor's wife of this great church in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And she's going to be able to do some mighty things. And I believe that he went down the line and each person in your life, I believe that he looked at you and he said, this is why I'm creating them. I have a purpose, I have a plan for them, and I am going to do mighty things through them. And I want you to understand that, that you are not here just to occupy a pew. You're not here just to occupy a seat, but God has something greater for you than you ever could imagine. God paid attention to who you were, and he thought you were important enough to draw, to draw attention to you. So God speaks to you, and he reveals his plan to you, and then we are to follow that plan, amen? But during this, se- during this series, we're going to lo- be looking at five different parables that Jesus taught during his time here on earth, and if you want to read ahead, these parables are going to come from Luke chapter 14, 15, and 16. Matter of fact, um, the first parable, both, all three of these parables was in yesterday's and today's Bible reading. If you've been reading along uh, through for the Bible in a year, uh, this is today, yesterday's date and today's date covers uh, these three chapters. But today I'm going to look at Luke 14. So if you have your Bibles, go with me there. My text this morning is going to cover verses 1 through 24. Now I'm not going to read all of it. I'm not going to sit there and read from 1 to 24 I'm going to highlight and hit multiple passages throughout that uh, 24 verses. But please take time and and go home and read this, and and I believe that you will draw something from this. Uh, You know, it's good that you hear God's Word preached. It's good that you hear the pastor uh, preaching a message, but then it's also good that you take some time Go home and relook over because I believe that if you will study uh, whatever God is teaching to you and teaching to us in general, I believe that if you'll go spend some time, that God will reveal something to you that may be different than what I brought out here today. So please take a moment this week and read all three chapters Luke uh, 14, 15, and 16. But today, here we are in Luke's Gospel. And all 24 verses of this conversation, it takes place at a prominent Pharisee's house. And so, what is a prominent Pharisee? Well, this means that this gentleman, he was one of the rulers of the Pharisees. Jesus had been invited to his house. You know, we don't know why Jesus was invited, but when you read this passage, it makes it seem like he was asked there, so that they could frame him for something. They were, you know, ever since they had heard about Jesus coming on the scene, they've been looking for ways to get rid of him, 
trying to find ways to, to catch him in lies or to catch him in, you know, doing things that they didn't feel like he should do. And, and, and they were trying to discredit him the whole time. And so this is probably one of those ways as well. This is probably one of those times where they brought him in and it was like, hey, uh, um, you know, uh, we're going to see if we can't trap Jesus in, in something. So here we go. Luke tells us in verse 1 that Jesus was being carefully watched. So that's another reason. But it's at, a dinner, at, it's at this dinner party that I believe that Jesus was trying to teach the Pharisees some important lessons. I believe that it is these lessons that you need to put into practice in order to find God's purpose for your life. So if, you ha- if you've ever asked yourself the question, what is my purpose in this life? Today I'm going to answer that for you. But God has a purpose for each of us. You know, I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago I said, you know, that if you're a businessman that you're not called to be a businessman just to make money, but God had a higher calling for you. And I truly believe that in, in whatever profession you are. If you are, if you are a teacher, then I believe that God had a higher calling. I don't believe that he called you just to, just to have a job so you could have the summers off. You know what I mean? I, 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 uh, I believe that God had a higher purpose no matter what you've done in your life. Electrician, plumber, uh, uh, mechanic, whatever it is that you are, I truly believe that God has a higher purpose, a higher calling for you. He is just using that method to help you to further his gospel. You understand what I'm saying? Are we all in agreement? So what's your higher purpose? If you're not growing in your spiritual walk with the Lord, then you have to reevaluate your life, right? I mean, you can't just keep going the way you've gone. So here are four requirements for you to find your purpose in this life. Number one, your purpose requires you to care about people. You get it? You know what I mean? We have to care about people. God loves his people. And if God cares about people, then we ought to care about his people. Amen? God says everything that we do is about people. And if every person on this planet matters to God, guess what? They matter to us. Amen? And so it doesn't matter if they're our friend, if they're our enemy, if they're our, our neighbors, if they're our, our uh, acquaintances, if they're our co-workers, whoever they are, if they matter to God, they should matter to us. And let's look at, this is, this is what Jesus did. Look at verses uh, 2 through 6 of Luke 14. It says, there in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Now, um, uh, some, some translations call it dropsy. And Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked him, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. These are simple questions. He's asking the religious leaders. These were people that knew the law forward and backward. They could quote it probably to you, and they could probably tell you exactly where it's found in the Torah. They knew exactly where it was. They understood what it was. They knew the law. And so here Jesus is saying, I understand that you know the law, but it just makes common sense to help a guy out. You see what I'm saying? 
Jesus is saying, this is common sense stuff. This is stuff that it's just showing that you're a human being, that you care for other humans. But Jesus, he kind of likes to push their buttons, does he not? I mean, you read throughout the Gospels and you see these stories of Jesus facing uh, 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 different uh, different Pharisees and different uh, religious leaders. He would always try to push their buttons. Why? Because he knew that they were a little too religious. Do you understand? Do you get what I mean by a little too religious? They were. They would even. They here's the thing. Not only did they know their laws, but they would even go a step further. So if the law went here, then they're like, we're going to make it even here. You know, if, if, God, if, if Moses wrote a law that says this, we're going to go up to here and say, well, this is where we should be. So they wanted to feel like they were better. But here's the truth. God wrote the laws. They didn't need to add to those laws. And that's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, God's law is all we need. God's law is all, we, is all you need. You don't need to go to the extreme that you've gone to. And that's what they were doing here. Because they didn't want anything to happen. But Jesus was saying, I know you guys. And, of course, they weren't going to tell them themselves, right? I mean, these guys aren't going to tell them themselves. But Jesus, what did he say? He says, would you not go pull your child or pull an animal out of a ditch if it was on the Sabbath? Of course you would. You wouldn't leave them there until the next day. But Jesus never broke the commandments of God. I want you to understand that. You understand what I'm saying? Even though he would push the limits, even though he would try to bring the best out of these religious leaders and get them to not be too religious... Jesus, would, he never broke the commandments of God, but he often offended man's traditions that surrounded and extended the commandments of God. That's what I was talking about. They extended the commandments of God, and so he would, he would, uh, um, he would offend their traditions. Sometimes we allow traditions, even though they may be good, to get in the way, do we not? Do we not allow certain things to get in the way? Why? Because we like it a certain way, or we like this, or we like that, and we, and we can go through all the different things. Well, I just think we need to have this. Well, that's a tradition. Just because it's a tradition doesn't mean it's something. It doesn't mean it's the gospel. You follow what I'm saying? Just because it's a tradition. You know, if I was to come in and completely change the order of service, and we did the preaching first and the singing last, and somebody goes, well, I just don't like that. It's a personal preference. It doesn't mean that it's more holier that, this way than that way. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? And that's what they would do. They would make everything try to be the law, even though it wasn't law. It was just their traditions. Look at what um, Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, verse 8 and 9. He says, you, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Just because we do something that is a tradition doesn't make it godly, amen? We, the church, we church people, we get caught up in the traditions of doing certain things that they can become ungodly. And that's what the Pharisees did. They let their traditions get in the way of doing the right thing. Jesus taught them in this moment that doing the right thing is what mattered. Caring about people is the right thing, amen? People matter to God. They should matter to us, and we shouldn't let our traditions get in the way of 
of, of caring for people. The Pharisees didn't want to admit that it was okay to heal a man. Or if, if you want to think of it this way, care about a man on the Sabbath. Jesus was showing them that we ought to care for people. Don't let your traditions get in the way of fulfilling the purpose that God is calling you to. The second thing, your, your purpose requires you to humble yourself. You see, after Jesus gets no answer from the Pharisees, he moves into the fact that they, all, that they were all trying to get the best seat at the table. At this dinner, any dinner, people would come in, they always would have a seating order. They would have like a seating chart at their dinner. And they would come in, and, and if you felt like you were you know, prominent and you, were, you should be at the hot, you know, you'd go try to sit next to the host. But that was saved for the top dog. And so the whole thing was, if, a, if somebody that was higher up than you came in, then they would tell that person to get up and move. This is for him. And they would continue to seat according to. So they, Jesus tells them, don't go get the highest seat. Go get one of the lower seats. Humble yourselves. Jesus was teaching them to humble themselves. But these religious leaders were so uppity up. They thought that they were so much better than anybody else because they knew the laws. They could quote them frontwards and backwards. They thought they were better than anybody else. That here they were, they said, we should be at the head of the table. But Jesus tells them not. Look at what he, look at what Luke, uh, you know, and, and it wasn't just the religious leaders, okay? It wasn't just the religious leaders that he told this to. He told it to the disciples as well. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 46 and 48. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. You see, Jesus wanted to teach them to humble themselves, even to the extent of being willing to serve the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Jesus was encouraging the people to refocus their sights from exalting themselves to exalting and serving others. Jesus is calling you and I. He's calling us today to do the same. We're to humble ourselves before the Lord. We're to seek to serve others. If you want to find your purpose, then you must learn to humble yourself. It's not about the position that you hold, but it's about the way you conduct yourself in that position. You know, as you move up the leadership position, there are some rights that you lose in order to keep that position of leadership. God is wanting to take you to a higher place. He has something greater for you than you ever imagined, and that requires you to learn to humble yourself in order to fulfill his purpose for you. Number three, your purpose requires you to accept everyone. Look at what Jesus said to the guest that was at the Pharisee's house. Verse 12, then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection 
of the righteous. You see, Jesus is telling the hosts not to be exclusive in their invites. He was trying to teach them to do something and, and don't expect something back. Friends, neighbors, those that are well off probably would invite you back. Why? Because they know you already have a relationship. But extending an invitation to those that wouldn't necessarily have the means to do it probably couldn't invite you uh, to their party because they wouldn't be able to afford a party. He was teaching them to be inclusive. When God's people can do good without expecting reward or repayment, they will have truly served God unselfishly. God will reward us someday in heaven. Amen? When we include everyone, we are mirroring God's generosity. God offers His kingdom to everyone. You know, when you think about the generosity of God. Think about it this way. God loved us all so much that he sent his son Jesus to this earth. And not only did he just send him here to touch lives and to minister to lives and and do everything, but he also went to the cross. And Jesus went to the cross and he died on that cross. He did it for us. He did it so that we could have eternal life. You say, well, what does that mean? You see, there had to be a sacrifice. Sin requires a blood sacrifice. That's the only way that it can be atoned for. That's the only way that sin can be wiped clean is for a blood sacrifice. And so God loved his people so much that he sent sent Jesus down here to this earth to go and be that blood sacrifice. If you think about everything that Jesus did on that cross, his hands being, uh, 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 the nails driven through his hands, the, the nails driven into his feet, the crown of thorns placed upon his head, the, the spear going through his side. If you look at everything, you can see that it was a complete sacrifice. He bled from his head all the way to his feet. Blood completely covered him. He was a sacrifice for you and me. He became that sacrifice so that you and I could live, so that we could have eternal life. That's who God is. That's how generous God is. God is so generous that he gives up his son so that we could live. And so by us just accepting other people, by inviting people to come and be a part of our table, be a part of our banquet, what we are doing is we are saying, we're opening it up and saying, we want to invite everyone to come in. We want to invite everyone to come and be a part, to everyone to come and taste this feast. We're welcoming others in. We are showing the generosity of God. You know, the last thing that Jesus was trying to teach the people at this dinner was your purpose requires you to not make excuses. Jesus ever asked you to do something, God ever asked you to do something, and you start making excuses. You know what I'm talking about? You know, he says, I, I want you to teach that class, or I want you to greet, I want you to be a door greeter, or I want you to, to uh, be on worship team, or I want you to, you know, serve coffee, or I want you to just come and attend on Wednesday nights, or, or teach kids, or, or whatever it is, or be in the nursery. And you start making excuses, but God, I, I just can't, I, I, don't, I don't have the abilities to teach, or God, I don't have the, the skills to teach, or God, I, you know, God has a purpose for you, God has a plan for you, and don't you think that if God was calling you to do something, that he would give you those abilities to do what you need to do? Because God loves you. God cares for you. 
God wants the best for you. You know, this parable that Jesus tells, and this is the last thing that he tells them at this banquet at this Pharisee's house. This is, what, this is the last recorded thing that we know. Luke chapter 14, look at verse 15. It says, When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet, invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. I don't know if you've ever thought about this story. But you see in this, in Jesus' example, there were two invitations that were sent. The first invitation was to let the people know about the banquet that was going to happen. They had plenty of time to make preparations. Then the second invitation uh, that was sent was the people going and telling the people, hey, the feast is now ready. This meant that, that originally these people that made these excuses had already accepted the invitation. They had already RSVP'd for the event. Now, I want you to understand, when, when you threw a party back then, it was a lot different than throwing a party now, okay? When you threw a party back then, there was a lot more preparation that had to go into this. They didn't have refrigeration like we had. So they would send out the invitations. They would get the, the RSVPs back. They would look at the amount and say, okay, well, there's this many people and this many people, and so we know how many people. So if it was, say, 75 people, they'd go and they'd, they would get the calf ready, get the cow ready. They were going to have beef. It, it all, they, they served according to how many people were coming to dinner. So if it was a small party, like five or six, then they would serve chicken because it was small, you know. They didn't have refrigeration. They couldn't go to the grocery store whenever they got the invites and, and go say, okay, well, I need, I need, I, I got 10 people that want chicken. I got, I got 20 that want lamb and I got the rest that want beef. They couldn't do that. They didn't do that. It was, they would serve according to what the amount was. So they knew ahead of time how many was and then once they had got all the preparations done once it was ready they had set the table they were ready to serve the food then they would send out the servants and they would go with the second invitation and tell everybody hey come the banquet is now ready and then people would come and they would eat and feast and and dine and it would be a great and glorious celebration but the problem was that even though these people had already had already sent in their RSVP. They had already told them, hey, we're going to be there. Man, you just put us down. You can make sure we're going to be there. Then now here they are. They're making excuses on why they now can't come. 
And these excuses that they made were lame. I don't know if you've thought through these excuses, but they're pretty bad. Let's look at them. The first one said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Now, I know some, I don't know if any of you have done this or not, but who buys land without seeing what you're buying? I know it's possible, but it's highly unusual because the actual inspection would normally have been before it was bought, not afterward. And at the very least, this material uh, concern is more important than the obligation to attend the banquet. This excuse was very lame because at best, they uh, could have put off the inspection for at least one day. The field's not going anywhere, right? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? The second excuse is, again, it's a financial purchase, and this time it's five yoke of oxen. Now, this guy, just guessing here, he had to have been a large landowner. The average farmer uh, would own a couple of yokes at best. Now, what is a yoke? A yoke is two ox. And and so five, there's ten ox there. That's a lot of ox. And so, um, again, who would buy oxen without testing them? out first. Most of us would never go buy a new car without test driving it first, right? I know they have Carvana and you can go on any website now and you can purchase a car and they'll ship it to you. They'll bring it to your door. But I personally have never bought a car without test driving it first. Somebody may say, hey, I got a car for you. You know what I do? I go down, I say, hey, can I look it over? Can I test drive it? They give me the keys. I get in, I start it up. I listen to how the motor sounds. I may even pop the hood, look to see if there's any leaks, look underneath to see. I mean, you go over this thing like a fine-tooth comb, right, to make sure it's going to work. Don't you think that if this guy bought these oxen that he could at least wait off a day to buy them? He knew the banquet was already there. And the third excuse is more lame than the first two. He says, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, I don't know if you know anything about a wedding back then, but a wedding didn't happen overnight. It was usually a week-long celebration, and the entire area was invited to the wedding feast. This was something that they would prepare for. This was something they would know. This was something that, so this excuse was even worse than the other two. And here's the thing. This wedding invitation would have been known before this first invitation was accepted. You know, in this this feast that was given, it was common for such meals to be for men only. The Torah allowed marriage to excuse or allowed marriage to excuse a man from war, and everyone would assume that the reason was to procreate. And again, this would be taken as an extremely flimsy excuse. In fact, men were not to speak of such things publicly, and this would be seen as the most brazen excuse yet. Men would scarcely talk about their wives, and to use them as an excuse like this was contemptible. So all three excuses would have come across as a rude and deliberate attempt to insult their host. So when you hear about the host uh, reaction... It would be understandable and it would be appropriate. Jesus is clearly portraying the Jewish reaction to this gospel invitation with similar studied rejections and insults coming from the leaders and the crowds. And during this time, a feast would take weeks to prepare. 
So Jesus uses the verse. They were upset. The host was irritated. And so he says, go out to the streets, the alleys. We want to invite everybody in. We don't want to leave any room for those that made the excuses. Jesus uses a word in verse 23. He says, compel them to come in. In other words, get, him how, get them here however you can. We want this filled. And he said compel to indicate God's desire to fill his house. You see, God don't want people that don't want to be there. God never forces himself on you. The Holy Spirit's never going to make you do something you don't want to do. But when God speaks to our heart and God gives us a, a calling, he gives us things that he wants us to fulfill, that he wants us to do, then we are to step up and we're to walk in that fulfilling. Step up and to walk into that calling. Whatever it may be, whatever God's calling you to do, whatever he's asking you to do, we hear from the Holy Spirit, we receive what he's saying, and we go and do, and we become. But in this parable, many people turned down the invitation to the banquet because the timing was inconvenient. People today can also resist or delay responding to God's invitation. Their excuses may sound reasonable, work duties, family responsibilities, financial needs, so forth. Nevertheless, God's invitation is the most important event in life, no matter how inconveniently it may be timed. Can I tell you that God has a purpose for all of us, and it's time to stop making excuses why we will not follow his purpose for us. For me, I make no more excuses. I want God's purpose for me. I want to live my life the way that Jesus wants me to live it. God has created me for a significant purpose. I need to follow that decision, amen? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to turn back, but I'm going to move forward, and I'm going to pursue his purpose for my life. God has a purpose for me. God has a purpose for you, and I want you to know that. He loves you and he cares for you. We can't make any more excuses. We have to understand that people matter to God and if they matter to him, they matter to us. Amen? We, we have to accept those that may not seem to be acceptable. You know what I'm talking about. People that, not, that, that some people may turn away and just shun. But we, we can't do that. We don't have that option. We accept everyone and we love them and we welcome them in and we invite them in and we say we want you to come and feast at this dinner. Because Jesus cares for everybody. People matter to God. They should matter to us. God gives us purpose. He gives us reason to go and fulfill that purpose and that reason. Amen? Amen. God loves us. I want to ask Kent to come. I've asked him to play a song. I think it's an oldie but a goodie. And I want this to be your prayer this morning. It's called, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And I want you to make that your call this morning. I want you to make that your call. If you're here this morning, you, I want you to know maybe you've been struggling with what God's purpose for your life was. Maybe you've been sitting here struggling, wondering, well, what does God want me to do? What does God ask me to do? Where does God want me to go? What is God, who does God want me to be? Then I want you to know that I want you to step out and I want you to walk and become who God wants you to become. Can we stand this morning?
Can we stand and all sing this song? I think we know it. I didn't put it on the sheet because I, I think this is one that, if not all of us, if most of us know, and I believe that we can all sing this, and let's just make this our prayer this morning. If you want to come and find a place and pray, and maybe there's something that you've been dealing with that you want God to speak to you this morning, just come and somebody will come and pray with you. But let, let's make this our prayer this morning. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back.
Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Hallelujah. Do you commit to follow Jesus this morning? Amen? Amen. God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I want to do. God, whatever your purpose is for my life, that's what I want to do. Amen? Amen? Can I just pray over you this morning? God, I just pray for every person here. I, God, I pray that if there's anybody even at home watching this today, they made a decision for you. They said, I, I want to follow Jesus. Wherever he wants me to go, I want to live a life that Jesus wants me to live. My purpose is what God wants for me to do. Where I, where I will go, I am no longer my own. I am Jesus. I am his. I want to serve him, and I want to go where he wants me to go. Even if no one will follow me, even if no one will go with me, I'm not going to turn back, but I'm going to go forward. I'm going to follow Jesus and do what he wants me to do. God, I give you all the praise for every person that's here. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated for a moment. This is the first Sunday of the month, and it's BGMC Sunday. Let me tell you something, man. You guys are already knocking it out of the park with giving to BGMC. Our kids are going to come around, and they're going to collect your change, your dimes, your nickels, your dollars, your quarters, your pennies, your fives, your tens, your twenties, hundreds. Anything else that you may have? Fifties? What else is there? There's a thousand dollar bill too if you got one of those lying around. Anybody got a thousand lying around? BGMC stands for Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge. Basically, this is a way for us to uh, encourage our kids to give to missions. And so that's what this is. All this money goes to missions. It helps to, it helps to provide the missionaries with uh, ways to uh, do their job, to go into the countries and to share the gospel. And so that's what, that's what they are doing, collecting. This month, the month of March, is... Uh, mission March was it March I can't say it was it March Madness Missions Lost Chains for Lost Souls so what that means is we want you to go look in your cushions we want you to go look in your cars we want you if you find money on the street I want you to pick it up and, and I want you to bring it in we're gonna we're gonna put containers little yellow containers throughout this building and uh you can drop it in there all month long and if you got if you would like to give even more to bgmc this month uh we're going anything that's comes in that's not designated uh to anything we're going to put that towards bgmc as well so we just we just want to do everything we can there you go so there you go so we want to we want to we want to see uh, we want it, look for change, uh, 
You know, I, I don't know about you. If I find a penny, I pick it up. To me, anything, I, if it's a penny, it's valuable. And uh, so I can only imagine what God can do with it, right? So if I find it laying around that means somebody didn't care enough for it, so I'm going to pick it up. I had a pastor who used to tell me that if you, if you see money lying around and you don't pick it up, then why would God give you more, right? I mean, it makes sense, right? If you don't pick it up and give it to God or, or do something with it, then why, if God can't trust you with that, why would God trust you with more? And so I, I think it's, you know, what? There you go. This is your assignment to clean out your couch cushions. So, uh, so and then also, uh, thank you all for giving. Is there anybody else that has any more? That All right. Didn't the kids do a great job? Yeah. They always do a great job. Wow. That's awesome. What'd you ask? Oh, cool. And if I can get it done, I've got a big white barrel back here. I need to paint yellow. And it's going to be a big buddy barrel that we can set out there as well. So, yeah. Anybody got any paint skills? Uh, but anyway, uh, so we got, we, we got lots going on. But they did awesome, didn't they? So, yeah. So here's what's going to happen. Let me go ahead and give you some announcements real quick. Then we're going to pray over the offering, our main offering. And then we got stuff out in the foyer and you can also go out there and get your picture made as well. Um, we are continuing to collect any money uh, that you can give to the purchase the, to, to paint the van. Uh, we've collected about $680 so far. So thank you to everyone that's given. Um, the van needs help, so you can go see that. Also, we'd like to get some new lighting, and we're sheetrocking. We've got one half done. Hopefully, we'll get this other half done this week and start taping and mudding and uh, get ready to get painted. Uh, we're going to paint these walls. We've got a little platform we're going to put in on the stage. We've got, we want to get new uh, um, lighting, light this place up. If you, I don't know if you sit in the middle. It's very dark. We were told this week that where you're sitting in the middle is the equivalent of walking through Walmart parking lot at night. That's how dark it is. And so we're trying to light this place up so that, you know, uh, we don't want to sit in darkness no more, amen? <laughs> we want to let Jesus' light shine. And then uh, uh, we've got, we've been doing some things out in the foyer and just trying to update. We've, we want to do 